some of the people that are on these committees have never stepped foot into a burning building. How do you make regulations for firefighting when you've never fought a fire? This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. You are listening to the show that gives you all the information you need on a firefighting topic in about 20 minutes. Now let's get started. The National Fire Protection Association seems like a pretty important organization. For example, its reports are routinely used by fire departments to justify staffing requests. But not everyone is satisfied with how the NFPA operates. Some members of the fire service believe its standards for equipment service life are too inflexible. And then there's the question of who writes the standards in the first place. One of the NFPA's loudest critics on social media is Bobby Eckert. Bobby's a captain with the City of Camden Fire Department in New Jersey. He also owns and operates Eckert Fire Tactics. We decided to ask him to explain his concerns about the NFPA and then get an answer from an NFPA representative. We initially asked the NFPA to participate in a debate-style format with Bobby, but they declined that offer. Instead, they offered a representative who would do a one-on-one interview. We agreed to that, and I was able to ask questions of the NFPA's responder technical lead, Kurt Floyd. Then we matched up Kurt's answers with Bobby's questions. So, Bobby Eckert, welcome to Code 3. How you doing, sir? Thanks for having me. And, Kurt Floyd, it's good to have you here as well. Thanks for having me on, Scott. We'll let Kurt go first, and then we'll hear from Bobby. I'm going to start with a little bit of history, if you don't mind. So, so NFPA has, uh, has been around since 18, uh, really 95. We say 96, but it started, the conversations to create the NFPA started in 1895. And since then, um, for all those years up till current, um, we have had uh, responder engagement. Mainly, uh, a lot of it is from, uh, from fire publications, um, fire command, um, fire journal, volunteer firemen, um, a lot of different information. So we've really been uh, involved, uh, you know, with responders from, from the get-go. So the NFPA is, uh, uh, is a not-for-profit organization uh, that consists of about 300 employees. Um, and a lot of what we do uh, is to, uh, uh, we, we do develop standards, but we do a lot more. There's a lot of information and knowledge that we put together and put out. Uh, we work with a lot of different uh, partnering organizations uh, to help further the, the safety uh, of responders uh, no matter what they do. So that's really our, our focus is the safety to, uh, you know, in, in eliminating uh, death and injury um, from fire. Okay, Bobby, you're up. What are your concerns about the NFPA? The whole goal of the fire service and being involved in it should be to evolve it and make it better, stronger, and more efficient. And it seems to me that people try to do that every day. And it seems that the, the old guard of the NFPA doesn't want to open their minds or, you know, their doors to people that actually have practical street experience that do it every day. Some of the people that are on these committees have never stepped foot into a burning building. So how do you, how do you regulate, make regulations for firefighting when you've never fought a fire? 
So the, the process uh, for the standards aspect is it, it, it's developed by folks um, from nine different interest categories that are volunteers that sit on uh, the NFPA uh, technical committees and they create the standards. Everybody in the world, with the exception of uh, the NFPA employees, has say on what goes into those standards. And I'll tell you, coming from the fire service, that was frustrating for me as a staff liaison not to be able to, you know, have input in those standards. But uh, we're not we're not allowed to. So those interest categories are are folks from different industrial backgrounds. Uh, we have uh, special experts. There's enforcing authorities, insurance, consumers, manufacturers, and all of those folks are used to create this, the committees. And there are, there's a balance rule. That balance rule um, requires no more than one-third participation from any one of those nine interest categories. So we don't get that, uh, that monopolization of information that goes into those standards. We just we don't have enough responders on a lot of these. We do have some, and we need them. And so if you want to get on a committee, you have an interest, you don't like what you're, what you're reading, I encourage you to get involved. Some of the people that have tried to apply for NFPA committees and have been turned down is insane to me because some of these uh, men and women are extremely great people with awesome backgrounds and a lot of experience that could bring to the table. It's certainly important to have uh, firefighters who, who do the job, uh, men and women every day, it's important to have their uh, their voice in there. But also, if you're, let's say for apparatus, for instance, you ha- we have firefighters on the, the 1900 uh, committee, which covers uh, apparatus, but we also have apparatus manufacturers on there. They can talk specifically to the needs of, of the manufacturing process. You can't say for fire department A, to do that, that this is the way to do it and not expect fire department D not able to keep up. You know, some of these rural fire departments that really try, and there are a lot of them throughout the United States that really, really try, they can't afford to keep up. But yet, then NPA can afford to pay these exuberant salaries. Why don't they take some money and donate them to these fire departments to help them or have a grant program to help these fire departments keep up with the standards? Some people can't afford to get new turnout gear every 10 years. Some people can't afford to cycle their air packs every 10 years. Some people can't afford to keep up with the, the equipment standards. They're, they're forcing a lot on, on the lower level financial departments that don't have a big budget. It's a shame. Yeah. So I know I've talked to a, a lot of departments um, that have, you know, struggles. And, and you know, if you look across the uh, some 27,000 plus departments in the country, the majority of them are smaller, you know, smaller departments serving, um, you know, fewer uh, people, usually populations of 2,500 or less. So that could be, you know, a small rural volunteer or or tribal uh, department. However, the larger departments obviously see a lot more uh, calls, a lot more fire duty. And so, like I said, you know, it, it is up to the uh, the authority having jurisdiction wh- how 
uh, or even if you uh, you follow those NFPA standards. And there's there's portions in some cases, smaller departments. There's you know there's portions of certain standards that you know you're able to follow. Um, you know, uh, I would suggest that if you if you can't, if your uh, AHJ is requiring you to, or or pushing you to, uh, you know, to comply with uh, a certain certain standard, that if you can't, that you have a justification as to why you have something written and prepared. So whether that you know they they. Uh, the city council uh, brings the chief to a meeting and says, you know, why aren't you meeting this? Um, here is why. And, and so that is one suggestion that I would have. And then there's, you know, there's other ways to, you know, to work that. It is, you know, a, a temp windows are created, um, you know, to be the minimum standard that the committees work towards getting that information as a, as a, as a minimum. We have to stand up for what's right, whether it's popular or not. And the only way to protect the firefighter when, when operating on the fire ground is the, and protect their survivability is not only to give them the best equipment, to, but, but the most functional equipment. And the equipment seems to be getting less functional and more bigger and more expensive, okay? It, 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 it's, it's going opposite than what it was. it was. There was a time where we were really, you know, slimming down and getting more uh, smaller profiles. Now we're going back to bigger profiles. When I train firefighters, and we do search and rescue and we we use smoke, okay, and I'm in a training environment. I wear an air pack that's 15 years old. It functions because I maintain it. It functions just as fine as an air pack that's brand new. It actually functions better than the air pack that's brand new because it doesn't have all the bells and whistles. Again, I have a I just bought a pair of leather boots that were made in 1999 and are brand new. And I wear them when I train and teach. They're more comfortable than the boots that are newer I have, and they're more they're made out of better material. So I, I I don't get the argument. I don't understand it when it comes to certain things. It, it, it doesn't make sense. Now, if you look, if you step back and look at it, if you're making people replace things every few years, you're making manufacturers money, and the manufacturers are the one that set the price. They say a set of fire gloves has to be two hundred dollars when it used to be fifty dollars. So I, I I think it's very counterproductive. I do I do hear that quite a bit, um, and it and it is it is um, you know a challenge, and so because you know some departments are busier than others, other companies are busier than others, and you know some see fire duty and some see maybe more wildland or or, or EMS. Um, so those requirements for gear, whether they be those shoes, whether they be tires on the apparatus, whether they be, you know, uh, any of your PPE, um, the, the lifespan, if you will, or, or the time before they have to be replaced is all part of the job of the technical committee to come up with that. So not only the firefighters on those committees, but, uh, you know, the other, other interest categories on there look at, um, you know, data from the manufacturers or research. We have the, the Fire Protection Research Foundation, which is connected to NFPA that does a lot of research on um, all different aspects uh, of, of the fire service, challenges facing the fire service, and they come up with the best practices. What they suggest um, is the right amount of time. Um, the other part of this, Scott, which I hadn't mentioned yet, 
is that NFPA doesn't enforce, um, you know, we, we don't approve, um, we don't, you know, uh, require adherence to any of these standards, even, even though we, we believe people should. That, that job, that enforcement is up to the authority having jurisdiction. So that may be um, your, a state entity, a tribal council, um, a provincial council, um, or any, anybody who has, <clears throat> excuse me, has charge of enforcing what that state or what you as a, you know, as a department will follow as far as the standard is concerned. Some states, some AHJs actually follow those standards to the letter. Others uh, amend those uh, those standards. That's not up to NFPA. We create that uh, you know that standard as a basis, and the AHJ is the one that's responsible for enforcing it or not. Um, so it it kind of depends on on the department, on the AHJ, on on what you can do uh, with that that number, whether it's you know. Uh, the, the replacement of apparatus tires, which I think had been seven years, the gear in 10 years, those types of things. That ultimately is, is what's in the standard, and that's a baseline. It's a minimum, right? This is the minimum of what that committee came up with, what they felt was the best um, to be safest uh, you know, for the responders that are using that. Uh, that's not to say that the AHJ may say, hey, we're going to we're going to change those times or those dates, those expiration dates. So it it it, it is uh, a challenge. I face that myself with gear. And it's just something that is going to be specifically up to the department and the AHJ. If you want to go look at an NFPA regulation and you go on their website, you have to join and give them money to, to get access to it. It or why are they charging me money? They're trying to do so good in the fire service. What about the firefighter who's 18 that doesn't have a job and just joined and wants to maybe learn about NFPA 1403 or 1971 or whatever? Why can't he go on and read the information for free? What's what's the big deal? That's what I don't understand. As far as the standards, there is a, a, a charge for those uh, if you if you need to buy one where you can have it in your hand, and I'm certainly still one of those who likes to have that document um, in my hand, and there's a cost for that. And that, that cost, uh, you know, covers the, 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 the publication itself, the, the creation of that, uh, of that document. But I would, would uh, like to, you know, encourage those who, who want to look at those standards. You can look at those for free on our website. Um, and you can go right up on our on our website. If you don't have a profile set up, um, it'll ask you to create a, a profile. Um, but then you can go right in. And one of the easiest ways to get access to the document would be um, uh, on our website, nfpa.org, backslash the number of the document. If you remember, if you know the, the number, if you don't know the number, that's okay. Go to our website and there's a list of codes and standards and you can uh, you can search it uh, by name and, uh, and it'll take you to that number. Thank you, Bobby Eichert and Kurt Floyd for being on Code 3 with me today. You got it. Happy New Year. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. Where do you stand on the NFPA? Are you in favor of keeping the organization as is? 
or would you prefer to see it change how it operates? You can leave a comment on our website, code3podcast.com slash NFPA. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to code3podcast.com.